I Suck at Dating with Dean Ungler, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Help, I Suck at Dating. This is Dean Ungler. It's got a very special episode for you today. Uh, as the usual suspect, we see Jared Highbon in studio. Hello, I'm here. Hello, everyone. And hey. a very, very special guest in Amanda Stanton is joining hey. us. Hey, guys. And on top of that, I'm just going to come right out and say it. it's my birthday hey. today. She's 17 today. It's a big one. Today is my 27th birthday, wow. but on top of that, this is also the 27th episode of this podcast. Oh, oh wow. It's like a golden birthday. Can you believe that? It's meant to be. What are the odds? We created this podcast back in September. Did you guys plan to purposefully land yes. this episode yes, on my 27th did. Thank birthday? Thank you for noticing. Everybody was thinking that were, far ahead. There were some <laughs> suspect weeks off where I'm like, are they trying to do this? <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, here we are. I've always had this weird affinity for the number 27, weirdly. I don't know why. It's never been my lucky number or anything like that. I think I really like that the, that 9 times 3 equals 27. I used to be like a big math nerd. And Wait, so, why 9 times 3? Why not like 3 times 3? Why 9 times 3? Well, 3 times 3 is 9. I know, but what I'm saying I, I'm just saying why. I've had this weird pull to the numbers 9 and 3 multiplying to equal 27. So when I was little... I used to be a big, big math nerd. I'd always go to school, and then whenever I got home, my mom would always tutor me in one subject, which was always math, and so I was like really, really good at math for the, like, the large part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I always had a weird thing for the numbers 9 and 3 equaling 27. So wow. you're pretty much saying that 27 is going to be the best year of your life. I'm very hopeful that it will be. I think it's going to be the best year of your life, Dean. Thanks, Jared. We'll let it into existence. Anyways, we're going to start off today um, by answering some listener emails. We're going to... Oh. Um, yeah, if you don't mind. By the way, I always like the 17 times 3 is 51, if I may. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah. Have you have you ever heard the, confessed that before? Have you ever heard the multiplication song eight times or the hardest multiplication problem of them all? Eight times seven is fifty six. No, <laughs> is that Schoolhouse Rock no. or something? That was like a third grade song that we used to sing all because it's a hard multiplication problem. People don't. I don't know. Anyways, um, but yeah. Anyways, we're joined in studio by Amanda um, and as always uh, Jared. So we're gonna get to some listener emails. We're gonna talk a little bit with uh, Cherie a little bit later on, who we've had on before. Life coach, um, life coach, therapist. So uh, good episode in store for us today. Well, this is for uh, uh, since Amanda's here, and we do have an email about a situation Amanda's been dealing with lately, and so it's good to get some outside perspective. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is from Peyton. Peyton says, "I just wanted to write in and weigh in on the Robbie and Amanda feud. Mm-hmm. She calls it a feud." Uh, she says, I feel like any self-respectable adult male would have forwarded the email along with a message. We should probably give the backstory on this before yeah, I get much further on I this. I agree. So, so, well, I mean, um, Amanda, I feel like, do you want to give it or do you want an outside perspective to give it? I, I want to hear an outside perspective. Uh, so last week, last week I went on Twitter and I saw that there was a neat, an, an article written about the feud between Amanda and Robin. Apparently, Amanda, last week you posted something on Twitter saying mm-hmm. an ex-boyfriend had reached out to you about these uh, passes for Disneyland. Uh, that he wanted you to renew and you said that like I know how to pick them and then Robbie screenshotted the emails outed himself as the ex-boyfriend and said I was just trying to help you you poor thing and then he said let the people decide for themselves screenshotted the emails released them on Twitter and they showed the emails that he forwarded apparently Disneyland reached out to him saying that Mm -hmm. these are going to uh, these passes are going to expire because the credit card's been denied for the past couple months and so he forwarded it to you um, but and then it like got and, and then it got like a little uh, blurry for me where yeah. like there was maybe a little bit of a back and forth. 
And then not really. No, he no. just and then, then he decided to post um, some text messages from like eight months ago, which I Ooh. thought was the most. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have weird. to talk. We yeah. can say our opinion afterwards. But from okay. yeah, me, I saw the video. All of a sudden, Robbie posted this montage, which he edited together with like this Kevin Hart skit. I didn't even watch. I, I still haven't, haven't even seen, seen it. Honestly, so I, it was like I, a thirty-second video of him scroll oh, like God. fast scrolling. So you couldn't read any text mm-hmm. messages, but it, you could clearly see that your picture was at the top saying Amanda. Yeah, and him just like scrolling through, and it was like paragraph on paragraph on paragraph that you apparently sent to him and he edited it with like this Kevin Hart bit of like are you done are we done here are we done and him just like scrolling through and it was like 20 seconds long and it was the most and he's deleted it since but it was the most absurd thing I think I might have ever seen on Twitter Hmm. Um, but I will give my opinions later if you want to continue this email but that was pretty much the gist of it that I saw that Amanda posted that didn't say who it was. It was an ex-boyfriend. And then Robbie decided to out himself mm. with screenshotting yeah. the emails. And then on top of that, he posted the video of the text message to and, which he had deleted since. And then on top of that, I think the postscript is really what kind of irked me a little bit. What's, which I don't even know if I want to say. He says whatever he says. And he goes, P.S. Nice new t-. Oh, yes. Yeah. In the emails, he says Which P-. is just what? Classy guy. So... Okay, I wasn't. Why would he say that? Like, I don't even know. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. We don't have to talk about it. But I thought, yeah, that was the most um, ignorant thing he could have possibly said in the yeah. email, especially forwarding you an email that he said he was so concerned about this going to collection. So if he was that concerned, why would he put a smug remark like that in the email? Was it just to like fuel fire under you, you think? Or was it just like. I mean, that's what I. I guess that's what I was so confused about was that like it's been eight months. And like I have obviously moved on with my life and like I've even said like I don't didn't even really consider Robbie an ex. That's why it's funny when I said that in my tweet because I actually don't consider him an ex, but I still thought it was kind of funny. To add you know? that, and when you when I first saw your tweet, yeah, Robbie was the furthest thing from my mind, which is so interesting that he yeah. decided out himself because when you said an ex, I immediately went to an ex not involved in the show because yeah. obviously you are, you know, you're not going to say Ben's an ex. Yeah. Josh, I feel like you wouldn't consider an ex. It would be more of like, I think that's a different situation. I'd call that an ex. And then Robbie, I didn't even, I wouldn't even assume you would call no. him an ex. So like, the and fact I don't, that, that's why, I, I mean, I put it just because I, I did think the situation was funny. Help tell the story a little bit better that way. Okay. So I haven't talked to Robbie in forever. Um, but that, that's the first time I heard from him. I checked my email and I saw that he forwarded me his Disneyland membership. Because um, it was on your credit card or something and your credit card on mine. expired or whatever. Yeah, like I got a new one. And so his payment was being declined. And the funny thing is, you know, he can say he thought it was going to go to collections, but there was like an option there for you to like update your card information. So I just thought it was kind of funny that he was forwarding it to me other than like just going and putting his own card information mm-hmm. on there and just like kind of petty and... Here's my question with that though, is if if he were to just pay for it himself, do you think that he should alert you that he paid for it himself or he just pay for it himself and then just, completely not say anything about it ever kind of thing? Yeah, just don't say anything. Yeah. Just put your card information was it like on a lot, there. Was it a lot of money? Do we know? I mean, the, it was literally like $20, $29 oh. a month or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think in Robbie's mind, he was forwarding you the message because he didn't want to renew it and he wanted to make sure that you knew you, that you knew yeah. that like this situation was going on. Having said that, I think the well, emailer touches on how he maybe should have approached. I think there was okay. a very high you. level of petty to that. It was pretty petty. I agree. Yes. Yeah. The, the emailer says, I feel like any self-respectable adult man would have forwarded the email along with the message like, hey, let me know what the remaining balance is so I can pay you the difference. 
It seems like Amanda didn't even realize the charge was coming out of her account every month, which would make sense that she didn't think about switching the card over when she got a new one. So when Robbie realized she was still paying it, even though, like you guys mentioned, they haven't been together for seven months, don't you think he should have just shut it down right then and there? It's not like he can't afford it himself. And then, of course, he digged himself in the deepest hole with all the insults, but I don't think he was ever being the nice guy in the situation from the start. Just to get that off my chest and offer a different perspective, keep doing what you guys are doing. That is Peyton's thoughts on the matter. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think my mistake is, you know, saying anything on Twitter. I did think it was funny, and that's why I said something. I had no idea, and I was completely shocked that he reacted even, the way that he did. I don't even did. think that was a mistake, to be perfectly honest. It was It, it was just a funny tweet. It wasn't even, like, throwing shade at him, because it, like, nowhere did I hint that it was about him. Was I going to ever tell anyone that it was about him? Um, yeah, I think so, if Robbie was so yeah. offended by it, I think the appropriate thing would have they texted you exactly yeah. and then like listen why would you put that on Twitter I, and then you probably would have deleted I mean I don't he, know like, the yeah. inner workings of what happened but I yeah I agree I, I never maybe paid anything. for it and then like asked you for a Venmo or something like that I don't know yeah but, I don't know <laughs> but I will say that I didn't hear about it until <laughs> we were I'm in like a group chat with the guys from my season yeah and they like sent a screenshot I deleted my Twitter so I'm never on Twitter anymore oh um, you deleted your Twitter just like the app like I still have my account but I just don't use it ever didn't you just post like a few days ago no, no. I had a Twitter in like a week and a half. Oh, maybe it was a week and a half. But, so that's, but then like E! News ran an article about it and it just like became this thing. It's so embarrassing. But anyways, it's, I think it's pretty clear to see who's at fault and who's like the one that's... I agree. I was kind of like living through it for so I was I wasn't doing anything that day and I was on Twitter and then I saw I didn't even see your tweet at first because I must have just like scrolled right through it and then I saw Robbie post something because I still follow him on Twitter and then I was like, what the hell is going on? And then, of course, it just like became this saga for yeah. like a minuscule, minuscule saga. But Dean, you, um, you tweeted on from Coachella on Friday night. What did I tweet? <laughs> I was about to say I could have uh, awkward swore. sitting positions. Oh, oh it's probably just tied to your Instagram, Instagram oh, and yeah, clicked yeah, the yeah. little Twitter button, That's which right. I normally don't do. Oh, okay. Uh, I was like, I could have swore I just saw a tweet yeah. from you. <laughs> Alcohol might have been involved in that tweet <laughs> or with that post. <laughs> Anyways, oh, um, is there anything else that we want to cover about that? Again, I think that it's all pretty clear. What, who was in the right and who was in the wrong there. Um, it just sounds like a lot of unnecessary drama that no one really put I will, on, brought upon himself. He brought it upon himself, I guess what I'm saying. Exactly. To say. I right. think Robbie brought it upon himself. And I think furthermore, we're becoming too, maybe a little bit too transparent in this culture that like we feel the need to screenshot and post everything on social media for people to make up their own minds. Like I feel mm-hmm. like some matters are meant to be handled privately. And I think this is definitely one of those. And sure, should you have tweeted something? I don't know. But the fact is, you didn't really out anybody. And so I think the, the way to handle it might have been more private rather than screenshotting emails. And then furthermore, the insults, with the, like to say, you know, what, what he said about you, like nice new, um, is absolutely absurd and ridiculous to even yeah. mention that. And then furthermore, I thought the the text messages, the video was just. I still haven't seen that video. You got to be, you got to be kidding me! Like the idea that he edited it and spent put some it time together, on that, spent yeah. some time on it, and then released it on Twitter. What I thought was just in really poor taste, and he has since deleted it. Uh, you know, we should throw that in there. Having said that, he still posted it, so um, you know, I think it was just it could have been really avoided, and then it ended up turning into this thing. And yeah. No, I, I was actually pretty embarrassed by it because I mean, when I tweeted that, I never obviously expected all that to happen, or did I want? attention from it Mm -hmm. so I guess I was confused why he reacted that way because no one would have ever known it was about him like we said so I don't know if he just wants attention and that's why part of me doesn't even really want to talk about it because I feel like I'm giving him what he wants I feel like he doesn't even care that it made him look bad I feel like he just wants attention whether it's good or bad so were you surprised by how much the media latched onto this (laughs) 
Yeah, and I was kind of bummed about it because I'm like, this is what he wants. I feel like he just wants his mm. name in the media. Yeah. So I don't think he really cares. How well, then we should look. move on. Stop yeah, talking agree. about it. <laughs> I will say, as someone that's, I guess, I've known you for what, probably 10 months now. We met in paradise yeah. and obviously we don't hang out a whole bunch, but um, I think that anyone that's ever really met you would have nothing but the most positive things to say. And you're not going to be Thanks. seeking the drama and be like that kind of person. So no. um, the big question, will you get a new annual pass for Disneyland or <laughs> yeah. will you go without? Oh, I, I She's my, gotta get a my new bill's one. paid. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I updated that card info. Um, <laughs> switching gears, we got some great, uh, really sweet emails uh, for Dean. After last week, he opened up about a lot of stuff, um, one of which was going into therapy. Um, but Sarah wrote, and she said, my name is Sarah, I'm 23. My mom died when I was 20. My family all watched The Bachelor together. And watching Dean's journey on Rachel's season really opened up conversation within my family and helped us on the road to healing. And I cannot thank him enough for that. Isn't that sweet, Dean? Yeah, it's really sweet. I've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, and something Dean said this week got me curious. Dean, you said that when you're, you're looking for a relationship where someone's strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa, could you expand on that a little more? I haven't really dated anyone since my mom died, but I often think there's no way that people can understand me or fully know me if they haven't lost a parent. Even listening to your podcast, whenever someone tells you, oh, Dean, you need to communicate more or whatever else, you have to be a better dater, I yell back at them, you don't have a dead mom, you don't get to tell him anything. All those simple things are more difficult than they know. So what are your thoughts on this? Seeing as how you've dated since your mom died, would you mind talking about how that has affected your relationships, how you've tried to talk to them about your mom? I understand this is too personal to address, but any kind of reply would mean a lot to me. So that's Sarah. I, think that's, I love that your journey has helped her and her family communicate mm-hmm. on this thing. Yeah. It's probably not something you thought about when you went on these TV shows to begin with. No, I didn't. I was pretty reluctant even to share the story the first time around because... It's just a lot. It's a lot to share a bunch of personal information, especially on TV. And I remember actually, too, I think I've talked about this in the past. That first day that I talked to uh, Rachel about my mother passing away on our one on one, I was like kind of remorseful after after kind of everything because I was like breaking down and crying and stuff. And one of the producers leaned in and said something like, uh, as long as you affect one person, person positively, you should take this away as a good experience. And um, in hindsight, like it obviously had a little bit bigger of a reach than that, which is great. Um, I, I don't think that she said something along the lines of. You don't have a dead mom, so you don't understand where I'm coming from. That's, That's what a she's little... saying to people who give you advice about dating. She's saying they don't understand what Dean has been through, what I've been through, Sarah. So they don't understand they shouldn't give you advice. Right. I've, I've been told um, when I speak with, uh, whether it's a therapist, a psychologist, anyone that's kind of like more in tune with those types of things, that when I talk about, or, or even like the show psychologist, because you go through a psychology test, all that kind of stuff, um, that when I talk about... Uh, like the passing of my mother, like those those uh, uh, tragic events in my life that I kind of brush over them. So maybe when I meet someone new, I kind of talk about it more like I'm reciting like a monologue of my life instead of actually being emotional and being in touch with that. And then so when I meet that special person, I'm able to maybe dive a little bit deeper, which is a little bit more challenging sometimes. Um, but I would never I would never discount a relationship because that person has two parents in their lives that have had successful success in their relationship mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so that's not really a, a, a fair thing and I mean to the point that I made last week I think when I said my way my weaknesses should would be hopefully their strengths and vice versa like it'd be great that you know my parents didn't have a great marriage my mom passed away but then if their parents had a great marriage and are still together sure. and love and all that kind of stuff it almost kind of strengthens it because um, it's kind of like a like a yin and yang to the relationship mm-hmm. I will say I was having this conversation the other day actually as well because um, as I'm like doing this whole you know post postmortem breakup thing I'm trying to like get to the mm-hmm. uh, reasons as to you know kind of what's kind of gone wrong with my life um, and I was thinking about the we had Carmel on once maybe like episode two or three yeah. who was the girl that I did in high school 
Um, and back then, so I was dating her probably when I was 16, but we were like talking and like best friends when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, when my mom passed away. And I think that the fact that she was able to help me through that time really strengthened our relationship. And that's kind of why uh, it was as strong as it was and the feelings were as strong as they were. But then there were also some bad parts of that relationship that I see kind of uh, being reflected in my, you know, mm-hmm. relationships that I have nowadays as well. And um, that's something that I need to really figure out and get to the bottom of. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's just a work in progress, I guess, every single time. And you can't really, it's hard to like plan as to what you're going to do, but I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. Dean has like a, a relationship, like what Sarah was talking about, about her relationship with her mom and losing her mom and that kind of affecting her dating life. Have you ever felt that your loss has ever affected your dating life? I don't think so. I think there are a bunch of other things maybe that stemmed from that that have mm-hmm. affected my dating life, but mm-hmm. not necessarily that in particular. Like I would never meet someone and be like, oh, my mom passed away when I was 15. And then they'd be like, oh, uh, sorry, I got to go now sort of thing, you know? Yeah, of course. Because I mean. But I think she touches on and another um, email also touches on a kind of a fear of abandonment that mm-hmm. could be kind of instilled in you from a trauma, oh, trauma like that. Right. There's a bunch of like psychoanalysis that can be done on that. Sure. And I, I know how much you love doing that. I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that at the end of the day that those are a lot of things that. Uh, I have really yet to come to terms with or, or, or confront and approach and all that kind of stuff. And um, Amanda, I'd love to hear your perspective on yeah. this because you are a single mom. Yeah. Um, and a wonderful one at that. Thanks, Jared. And your kids are adorable. Um, and so I'd love to hear kind of your perspective on the idea of, um, you know, raising your kids as, as a single mom and relating to this email. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's obviously something I think about too. Like, I mean, regardless of what, the situation is with your parents if you've lost a parent if you're a single parent I think it's something I think about even with my kids like how I'm raising them is it going to affect them when they get older um so yeah I mean I don't know it's a tough answer I don't think there's a right or wrong answer from an outside perspective um because I don't want to speak as if like I have an answer within this situation because I've never been through this situation Mm -hmm. um but I would say that it's I think there's a very there's a lot of gray area and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer for you, Sarah, for you, Dean, or for you, Amanda, with raising your kids. Um, I think it's kind of on an individual basis. And all you can do is do the best you can do um, with coping, uh, with moving on to a certain sense, with, you know, taking the time that you need um, to, for lack of a better term, put your walls down and being willing to open yourself up to somebody else again. And my thing is, too, it's... Uh I think that one of the most important things is just the amount of love. So like, I mean, you look at Amanda raise her children and she obviously showers them with love constantly. And I think that's one of the most important things. Like I have friends who have parents who were divorced when they were little, um, divorced when they were older, all that kind of stuff that are still having these successful relationships nowadays because, you know, they felt the love from one or both of their parents when they were little. Um, that's, my, that's my two cents on it. And I mean, from what we see via uh, whatever outlet it is, we see Amanda being a great mother. So Of course. And Thanks, I also think guys. for Sarah, too, like Dean, uh, I think it's a really inspirational email, uh, even just for me reading it, because to think that Dean, just by you going on this show and kind of living your life and showcasing your personality and in the inner workings of your family um, has really helped Sarah. I think that's an incredible thing that shouldn't be overlooked. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think there's probably a lot of stories out here like this with you, Amanda. I'm sure there's a lot of single moms out there that w- have watched you and have related to you and have you have help them in certain areas of their life. Um, and so I think uh, that's pretty incredible, Sarah. So I want to thank you for writing this email. 
One more email before we get to some other topics today. Tracy, I just thought this was such a kind and sweet email. My motherly instincts, she said, came out for Dean as I listened to the latest podcast, and I wanted to offer some advice. It's okay to break up with somebody, even if that person is a wonderful person. That doesn't make you a bad person. It's all about being right for each other. This goes back to last week when we all thought Dean was, I, I thought this, that Dean was a little hard on himself over the breakup he went on went through recently. It's okay to expect the relationship doesn't have to take a lot of work. I hear you struggling with this by saying you need to accept that relationships take more work than you thought. Don't settle on this one. When you click with someone and there is laughter, chemistry, and you share the same values and mindset, it shouldn't be that hard. I agree with that as well. I've been married for 15, 16 years now. I don't, I don't find it to be that hard. I hear a lot of people talk about marriage is so difficult, and I'm sure it is, and I'm sure it can be. I do feel like it works for us. It just kind of works. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm... But you still have your moments of difficulty, right? Oh, of course. There's bickering and there's whatever mm-hmm. and people are tired and that happens. But I don't feel like it's a great deal of work and maybe I'm just one of the lucky ones. Quite honestly, Tracy says, my husband reminds me a lot of you. He didn't know what he wanted. Dating was filled with a lot of dead ends and breaking many hearts due to his indecisiveness and fear of commitment. When we got together, he sought therapy to work through his issues of abandonment. Therapy was the turning point that made him and eventually our relationship even stronger. We've been married now for 20 years. Every couple's journey is unique and there isn't a one size fits all. Just focus on finding someone you miss the second they go out the door. Someone you have to tell all the funny and stupid things that happened to you that day. And above all, someone you truly respect because that drives how you treat and communicate with each other. If you bring out the best in each other without even trying, that's a really great start. Good luck in your dating quest. It's okay to suck at dating. <laughs> Everyone does because dating sucks. Such, Isn't that a great email? Such a great email. Tracy. Tracy, killing it. I love the way she ends it. See, that's what I was talking about last week too, though. Kind of like that utopic idea of just two people kind of coming together and fitting together like puzzle pieces that can, you know, like when the person leaves the, the room and you all you can do is think about how much you miss them and how much you wish they were back in the room with you. That's what I think all of us want and, mm-hmm. and work for. Mm-hmm. And that's if you don't- We're all ha- looking for, yeah. Looking for, yeah. And if you don't have that, then all you can kind of do is- hope for the best moving forward I, that's kind of like i don't know it's <laughs> no i agree i don't know um i also think just to touch on uh i think yes dean was being very hard on himself but just to reiterate i think um we also just wanted to respect the fact that the other person wasn't here to defend herself and that's why i think we were fo- uh, for me personally and i think dean was shaking his head as if he agrees um no 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 he agrees uh right. that like we, you know, Dean wanted to focus on himself because it's hard to really focus on somebody else when they're not Absolutely here to be right. able to speak their piece on it and give mm-hmm. their opinion because that's almost unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yo, know, of course, in reality, of course, I think Dean's being too hard on himself. You know, Dean's a wonderful guy; he's a great catch. I don't think I have to really say that. Um, and so, Dean, you're gonna find the love of your life, and you're going to shower her with affection, and she's gonna be the luckiest lady on this planet Earth. You're such a sweetheart. Thanks, Jared. It does funny to Tracy's point. She said something on the line, along the lines of when she met her husband of 20 years, he just started going to therapy. And I know I mentioned last week how it was something I was going to start seeking out. And I, I did start going. So I went yesterday for the first time since I was 15. And I found this fascinating. You found the therapist on Yelp. You found him on Yelp. Wow. Yep. Yelp. Got some uh, got some great reviews. It was <laughs> yeah, like a 4.9 star rating. <laughs> Seriously, it's like an Uber driver. You're like, 4.9? How could I not go to this therapist? <laughs> but actually, it was, so what's funny is I found the 4.9 star therapist. And she was far, far too expensive for me. Oh. Like, like uh... ridiculous. And so she's like, yeah, you can take this person at this office instead. Um, and no, it was great. It's, it's Obviously, it's only been one session so far, but um, I'm going to do it weekly. And, you know, hopefully it, it's, it'll prove to be beneficial. So far, you know, it's nice to be able to talk freely and openly with someone that, you know, um, will keep it all confident and, and, and privacy and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm it excited. Felt good. 
it it felt normal from mm-hmm. so far. But again, it's all everything that I told her in the first session is the things that I've um, either th- shared with you guys on the podcast or shared with my friends in, in privacy as well. Um, but it's nice to have kind of like an unbiased opinion uh, in order to kind of help you work things. And um, she's she's kind of along the same lines too. Like she's talking about like how dreams influence the things that are going on in your life and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. as well. And I've always been kind of a person that has really weird dreams, and like vivid dreams and just kind of. A, a lot going in my head, especially when I'm sleeping. So it's, I think it'll be um, very beneficial. I'm excited to see how it helps and if it helps and all that kind of stuff. And um, obviously I'll share with you guys a lot of kind of what's going on and I'll keep some of it a little bit more private. But Of course. Um, I think it's really nice too because uh, I think sometimes when you talk amongst your friends as a guy, like I like sometimes I don't really open up as much as I should oh, for yeah. the simple fact that I don't want to be judged by my by my bros and so I'm like yeah you know and I kind of keep things at a surface level but I remember yeah for someone with therapy it was just like really nice just to be like you know not feel guilty to cry right, <laughs> right. you know just be like let it all out so I almost cried I almost cried yesterday and I was like stop yourself from crying no I just let I, it th- cry well, you, need I under- you need a good cry I need to get comfortable enough with her first before I can I, like I opened up about a lot of things and there were moments where I was like talking about something and I was like I'm really about to cry right now so like tone it back but it's just like I feel I need to build the level of comfortability up a little bit at least give me, that, that's give me like at least until session three for that one um, session two if you don't cry <laughs> session two bro yeah, yeah. have you ever done therapy Amanda I have actually. Um, I've done therapy when I was going through my divorce, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think it's good for anyone to go, to, mm-hmm. you know, talk to somebody. Um, obviously, you know, we've all been through a lot in relationships, different kinds of relationships. But yeah, I mean, I think it's good just to have someone to talk to, someone that's unbiased. So I'm all for it. The unbiased is big for me too because. Um, as much as I love uh, all my friends and all you guys and all the support that they give, sometimes I think it's important to have someone that is going to call you out for kind of the crap that you're doing wrong. Exactly, because sometimes your friends can just take your side too much. Oh, yeah. And they're like, no, you're great, they're awful, and it makes you feel good, but having your right, that unbiased opinion to say, well, maybe you could have done this better is really uh, pivotal to improving yourself. Yeah. Um, but one way to deal with all that stuff is to go and find a significant other that you can share those intimate and personal and private things with. The things we're looking for, you were just talking about. You exactly. want that person you miss when they leave the room. And for a lot of people, they e-harmony find- is the way to go. And I think to the point that, uh, that you guys made earlier, it's, it's someone that you want to spend all your time with and do everything you want to do with them. And so what I think eHarmony does a great job of is kind of curating the things that you find important in your life and then kind of matching you with someone that feels the same way about those things and that are willing to do those things with you. So... Um, like everyone's tired of hookup sites, right? Everyone's tired of hookup dating apps and all this stuff. Exactly. eHarmony is so much more than that. They're not a hookup site and they take great pride in that. They are the one you go to when you're ready for a relationship. Exactly. Uh, I think people that are actually trying to find a relationship, eHarmony is the place to go. Because I think a lot of people that are on there are actually looking to go on dates rather than just hookup. For sure. They surveyed 1,600 singles and they named eHarmony the number one most trusted dating site or app there is. They've helped over a million people find their perfect match. Yeah, and on top of all that, it's affordable too, and uh, right now our listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. So if you are serious about dating and you want to take it seriously and you want to find that person that you can spend the rest of your life with, and so be sure to go to eHarmony.com, and if you use our code HELP at checkout, you'll get a free month with your three-month subscription. So stop waiting for your journey to, to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can start right now on eHarmony if you go online. Um, fill out your profile. I promise you it doesn't take too long, and I promise it's actually probably going to be pretty fun. You might even learn a little bit more about yourself and kind of what you value and are looking for. So um, check it out, eHarmony.com. 
All right, so let's talk about a little bit, uh, I guess, current events in the dating world right now. Uh, I'm sure most of you listeners have heard, and us all in studio have heard, of course, of John Cena and Nikki Bella's situation going on. John Cena. <laughs> I just wanted to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can we can squeeze a couple more of those in before the end of the segment. Perfect. Um, it's one of those situations where they were dating for a long time, about five or six years, and John Cena and Nikki decided to get married. But a month before their actual wedding ceremony, uh, John called it off because he didn't want children, and Nikki did. No, we don't really know who called it off. It's more of a, a, a they they came out with like some sort of statement saying that we just decided to go our separate ways, and it's been then further like there's been rumors coming out that the reason they broke up was because John didn't want kids and Nikki did. Right, it's but extra if, embarrassing because yeah. they had the big uh, public proposal in the middle of the wrestling ring with yeah. all these people watching, oh, and it was a big deal. And How it was long beautiful. ago was that? I think it was about a year ago when when they got and they proposed. It was like, yeah, it was in the it was in the ring. It was obvious. John Cena's a wrestler for anybody that doesn't know, and so he did it at the WWE inside the ring, and like there's this big production. It was a year ago. It was last April during WrestleMania 33. Yes, WrestleMania 33, which obviously all our listeners watch. <laughs> One of the best WrestleManias, in my opinion. <laughs> really? Duh. Um, and so I think it's just very interesting that it happened a month before the wedding, and why this may be. Why, like, why now? That's my curious question definitely, is why not earlier? It, it definitely beckons the question of if one person in a relationship wants children, the other doesn't want children, is it worth staying in that relationship because you know it will be a point of contention later on? I think for me, sometimes I think about, I kind of go back and forth whether I want kids or not. There's moments where I can't imagine my life without being a father at some point, or there are times where I question whether I want to have kids. And I think I always go back, I want kids but more than anything, I want kids with the right person because, I mean, obviously, Amanda, you can speak upon this. Like yeah. the as wonderful and as it's probably one of the best things that you've ever done with your life, but it's probably also one of the most stressful things that you've ever done with your life. And so for me, I'd I'd want to go through that process with somebody that I love and really can can depend on. Um, and so I think that's a that's a big contention for me, or at least something I'm going to attempt to work towards is not just having kids, but having kids with the right person. Um, because, you know, I mean, we've talked about relationships ending and marriages ending and how difficult that could be. And of course, that's just life. And that's the way things happen. Sometimes you can't really prevent it. But I'm going to do everything in my power to try to prevent that. And the first and foremost thing is finding that right person before I end up having kids. Mm-hmm. Or at least try to. I don't know. Yeah. So obviously, Amanda, deal breaker for you, meeting a guy it who is, doesn't yeah. like kids. I mean, yeah. obviously. Can I ask you, does that happen yeah. often? Because as, like as a single mother dating... Yeah. Do you make it known well in advance that you have two daughters? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I mean I would never hide. It's like the most important thing to me. So I wouldn't even really waste my time dating somebody who didn't want kids or who didn't like kids. Um, but I think that's something that like dating in the past was a lot different. Like you used mm-hmm. to just like meet someone and if you liked each other, then like later down the road you would start talking about what you want in the future. Or I think that now that I have kids, it's something that I talk about like sooner. Course. So that's probably, I mean, I don't know if that's what happened with them, but I'm sure they're like in love. They just probably want different things in life, which mm-hmm. is a deal breaker, you know? Yeah, I think it's something in a relationship that would be very difficult to work past. If one person oh, was yeah. so adamant to having kids and the other person was saying, I would never having kids, I don't really see how a relationship could work um, if that was the case, because that's, you know, that's your family, that's your legacy, that's your life. And I think we've talked in the past about like, uh, political differences, religious, week, religious differences, this, yeah. that type of stuff is, is a work through, like you can get through those types of things for, for some, for some, it's a deal breaker straight up. And I think, I feel like the older you get, the more strict you get mm-hmm. with your deal breakers. Of course. Yeah. 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 Because you just are so much more comfortable with yourself and you're mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not settling. Like I'm at this age, I've gone this long. I'm okay with being single. 
Um, like I am going to either wait for the right person or just never find them. And I think in Amanda's case, like you definitely have to be a lot more selective with who you date now. Yeah, I mean, my deal breakers list is like a mile long. So. <laughs> just a scroll. <laughs> yeah. Dean, you want kids? I would love kids, yes. And if you were in a relationship early on and realized the other person's not interested in that, would that be the end of it? Or would you just kind of see where it goes? That's what I was, I was actually, while Jared was talking, I was like staring off into space trying to think about that situation. Well, I'm really glad you listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my head around it because I've never really experienced that. And I do want kids. I think that I need to get to a place where I'm comfortable with myself enough obviously before I'm ready to have kids like I'm excited to have kids I can't wait to have kids but I know that I need to take a lot of time before I'm ready for something like that um if I was dating someone that was vehemently against having children I don't think that I would really look at it as a long-term thing but again I th- I don't I, th- I agree with Dean for me too if I was on a date with somebody who said I would never have kids I think that'd be a tough thing for me because even though I'm not s- completely sure if I want kids I'm also very sure that I'm not 100 percent positive that I never want kids, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. I want a specific like family too. Like I want to have two children of my own. I want to adopt two children. Wow. Um, and I've, whenever I share that with people in like the dating world before um, all of this, like it's always been received pretty well. Like I've never met a girl and gone on dates with them and like, you know, eventually obviously you get on that topic of things and I've never had a girl be like, oh, like I don't want kids. So it's just something that I'm not familiar with. So it's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around that situation. Well, there's a guy, hopefully there can be common ground with you and that future wife of yours. Maybe she won't want of course. Yeah. quite and exactly the same thing you oh, want. Yeah. You can come together. And of course, there's some flexibility there. Yeah. It's just like an idea that I've had for a long time. I'm, don't, I'm not like steadfast in thinking that. but um, Yeah, to bounce off your point, I completely agree with you. I think sometimes I think about myself and whether I want kids or not. And I think sometimes I think I don't because I'm just not in the place right now right. that yeah. I feel comfortable having kids. But in two to three years, hopefully I'm more comfortable and uh, you know financially set and kind of know where I'm living and who I'm with. And at that point, I'd be like, no, I want kids 100%. Just the reason I was so I was doubting a little bit early on in my life is because I just don't think I was ready to have kids right at this moment. Okay. I think it's also like what you said, like you want to have kids with the right person. Because mm-hmm. people ask me, like one of the number one questions they get asked all the time is if I want more kids. And I do, like I really want more kids, but I want to have more kids with like the right person. You know what I mean? So if that never happens, then at least I already have two. But I think that's a big thing. Like it's hard to imagine yourself having kids when you're like so single, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I, I think I need to learn how to depend on myself before I can let others depend on me too. Of course. In terms yeah. of kids. That's deep. That was deep. I was thinking <laughs> about that one for a second. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. But that's uh, very true because I think that is a fear for a lot of people that I have no business being a father, so I can't be doing this. Oh, it's terrifying. I'm only going to mess them up. Yeah, but, I feel like I like I mean, help I suck at dating. Like I already feel insecure about my dating life, let alone taking care of such a fragile thing like a baby and trying to raise them right and teach them right from wrong. Um, it's a very intimidating endeavor to take. And so Totally. I will say children in general, though, I I enjoy being around children, even like my closest friends. Um, Before I went on the show and I was like working as a recruiter for all those years, I was always kind of having like this uh, professional like uh, uncertainty of what I wanted to do. And a lot of my great friends were always like, you should go into teaching like elementary education, um, whatever that is, because I do. I feel like. (laughs) I feel like whatever I'm, that is, <laughs> whatever, whatever else it Elementary might be, teaching whatever whatever that is. Is. I'm just saying, I, I feel like when I'm a dad, I'll be a good dad. I just know that I need to be a, like, I don't know. I'm, I need to figure out exactly what I want. I like no, being around totally. kids, I guess is the point I that I'm trying to say. I think you'll be a great dad. I think you're going to be an awesome dad. And I think everything that I've, I'm sure Amanda can attest to this, every parent that I've ever talked to about like 
like how do you know what you're doing when raising kids and like every parent's always like you just do the best you can you step yeah. up that's why i think it's funny like hearing i mean my friends are the same way like when you hear people talk about wanting kids they're like well first i need to like be financially set i need to work on myself i need to do all these things i'm like you're literally never gonna have kids if you were yeah. just trying mm-hmm. to wait till you're perfect it just happens and then you just like you said you just do the best you can and you enjoy it yeah. and amanda you've done a wonderful job you guys are so nice how old Thanks. are your daughters six and four nice yeah what are other deal breakers? All three of you are single. Are there any other things that in your mind, that's it. If this happened, I'm out no matter what. Uh, cigarette smoking. Totally. Number one. I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah, no, same. I just don't think I could kiss someone routinely that always has a cigarette in their mouth. And like the cigarette breath, and it's just, you know, it might be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have so many. What's your own? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, I want to I hear I would love to hear scroll. some. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, like, most importantly, like, obviously somebody that wants kids and, like, family super important to them is right. number one for me. But um, <clears throat> also, like, I mean, somebody that's honest, somebody that's consistent, but I think also someone that just has, like, the same, like, morals and values as me, especially, like, raising kids. I've realized, like, I have, like, a very... It's hard being a single mom because you're not, like raising your kids with somebody else and I have like this very specific way that I like raise my kids like I want them to be like super respectful super nice to everybody so like when you bring someone else around I don't know like it's hard for them to like like I don't want them to like rub off on my kids and like That's pull really, the wrong way. Well, and I know actually I, you mentioned if that this, makes sense. You mentioned this to me in the past before yeah. um how as selective as you are with the people that you date you also are very very it takes you a long time to be willing to introduce them to your children. Yeah. Which I think is very important mm-hmm. because they don't want to, I don't know, constantly be meeting these guys that you're dating because it can yeah. be confusing for them. But yeah. that's a, that's an interesting point too because as a single mother, you're kind of allowed to raise them the way that you want to raise them. And, and Mark, like in your point, you're kind of obviously sharing the raising of the children with your wife. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like 50-50 sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I could see you having a real issue with a guy coming in and having certain things he wants for the kids. Oh, certain yeah. rules, certain, yeah. you know. Or like... I dated a guy once that was like not that nice to like waiters or like our house cleaners and stuff. And I was like, and he was really sweet to my kids, but I'm like, I don't want my kids seeing that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I raised them to be like super nice to everybody and like treat everybody with respect. So that's like such a big thing for me is like, I just want my kids to be like nice, good people. That's a big one. Totally. This is kind of off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. But when you said nice to servers and bartenders, Mm -hmm. that is my number one pet peeve. Not a, uh, it's probably a deal breaker. If I'm going to date with somebody and then they're rude to a waiter or a bartender, I don't think I'm more turned off. Like I Mm -hmm. remember this one specific date that I went on. The girl never even looked at the server's eyes. Like he came over and started introducing himself and she interrupted and was like, I'll take this and I'll take that. And I was like, oh, God, is this day over yet? This is yeah. awful. And so yeah. I always say that I think people should always work in the hospitality industry for six months. Like, it should be a, it should be a given because yeah. you need to, it really teaches you how to treat people. Mm-hmm. You never really, like, you learn so many manners by cleaning up and serving people. She it's goes, unbelievable. Sorry, off the beating no, path, right. continue. She goes, yeah. I'll take the fettuccine Alfredo, Diet Coke, and then you go, I'll take the check. Check, please. But yeah, then also what you guys said, like cigarette smoking and just a guy that like drinks too much, which mm-hmm. I feel like is so common. Like guys Especially just yeah. get so, so drunk yeah. and it's such a turnoff. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. And you said something too that was actually pretty interesting to me. You said consistent, yeah. which I really like that answer because I think that people change over time, mm-hmm. but as long as you don't change who you are, that's the most important thing. And to stay consistent with who you are and what your character is, of course you're going to change. Like there are things three years ago that I, that like I, I had one view on and now I have a different view on because I've evolved, I've changed. Yeah. But you know, I think it's very important to try to also stay consistent to who you are as a human being. And so I really like that answer. 
What about money issues? Somebody's super cheap. Somebody's super, spe- you know, spends money like crazy. Has that ever come into play? Is that something you consider? I want to ask uh, financial as a girl. If okay, guy takes you on a date. Mm-hmm. Do you split the bill or do you want him to pay? Like, what is your first, first preference? Date? First, first date, date, first date, even if it's just drink. Say it, uh, drinks or dinner. Okay. What is your now? It's you know obviously it's probably not a deal breaker for you, but what do you prefer? Because as a guy, I I, I want to pay. I mean, to I be com- to be completely honest, I think it'd be kind of a turnoff if a guy let me split the bill with him on the mm-hmm. first date. Very yes. Do you offer to pay and see what he how he responds? I always offer. Yeah, that's a good but test. It, if they actually accepted, it's kind of a turnoff. Yeah. Or like the check is just in the middle of the table and you're kind of just both awkwardly <laughs> staring at, at no. it, and he like <laughs> reluctantly reaches over and is like, uh, "So you want to split it?" Or that would be yeah. yeah. No, I always I always try to take charge and I always try to pay for the bill for the first you know first date. Yeah. I understand, like, I can't pay, like, if we go on four dates, and they're probably not going to pay for every time, obviously. But first day, I think it's just a really nice gesture. Even if the date doesn't go well, like, the date that I was awful on, I still paid for the whole thing, which was a terrible mistake, because she got, like, five <laughs> drinks, and the bill was, like, $200. Oh, no. I, was, like, I was like, please, just someone, just throw me off the top of this building. <laughs> I will say, when I first moved to L.A., I've been pretty poor my whole life. When I first moved to L.A., I had sold my car. Um, like, my job was fine, but I wasn't, like, make, and, like, rent out here is so ridiculous. So like I was adjusting to all that kind of stuff, and I was, like, trying to go on dates and meet people. And, like, you go out, and I'm like, I just have no money to even spend on myself, and now here I am, I have to pay for dinner and drinks and all that kind of stuff. And, like, you want to be a gentleman and do those so- sorts of things, but I've, I don't think that we should overlook the guys that are maybe un- unable to split and pay the bill entirely. No, yeah. on the, is themselves. that a deal breaker, though? You meet a guy who doesn't have a job right now, for a lot of women, that's a goodbye. Kind of. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily think, like, how much I don't really care how much money a guy makes. Hmm. I think, think it's, it's just like thing. the gesture of like paying on the first date. You know what I mean? And as I long as they're a hard worker. I mean, not someone who's just lazy, but exactly. Maybe yeah. they're working toward like Dean. You're not lazy. You just yeah. came out here. You started to struggle early on, and then you obviously got your you know footing after a little while. I think also. Um, oh, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, if you don't have a lot of money, what you can do as a guy is you cannot go out for dinner. Just go out for drinks or even coffee. Yeah. Like if you go out for coffee and then you just pay for a coffee, that's you paying for the date, but it's only a four dollar date. Those creative, yeah. those creative like fun dates have always been so challenging for me. You could go to the beach, obviously, like have a picnic and spend you know ten dollars on a charcuterie board or something like that. <laughs> on a what? <laughs> charcuterie board. Than, have you ever, have you ever go done Ralph's. Go to Ralph's and get a charcuterie board. Probably First six dollars on date? sale. Good God! I'm just saying. Super it's just a, it's a high scale way of saying cold cuts. That's yeah, all. It yeah, is. yeah. All right. That's fair enough. <laughs> Um, I'm really bad at those though, and those are those can be just as beneficial. I feel like too, because then there's not even the pressure of having to split it, having to pay for it, having to do all that kind of stuff. You could just get like a, a three buck chuck out of um, um, what's Trader, Joe's. Trader Joe's, and then get a, a six dollar charcuterie board out of Ralph's on sale, and that's what we call boom. a jackpot. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that's pretty cute. If I think that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on cute first dates? Would you rather go on a first date with somebody and just kind of have it very casual, drinks, coffee, so on, or would you rather go on like a very extravagant, not extravagant, but like a a fun date. Like, let's do something adventurous together. For a first date? First date. First date, dinner. Because you have to see if you actually like the person. Totally agree. Yeah, but second date, I think it'd be really sweet if a guy tried to, like, plan something. Yeah. Yeah. What about, because I talked to Tanya, who we've had on the show before, and Erica, who we've talked to. They don't like dinner first dates because it's too much of a commitment. They like drinks so they can get the hell out of there. If it leads to dinner, great, but they like something short. This is exactly what I say. Like, you start off just saying (laughs) drinks, but if it's going well, then you guys can order dinner. You want to hear about a a very committed first date? So, one of my great girlfriends, uh, a girl I went to college with, actually, just uh, this past weekend, or no, maybe even like two weekends ago, 
um, she was like talking. She's like, yeah, this guy from Florida who I've been talking to for a little bit, uh, he's going to come out to LA and hang out with me. And I was like, wait, um, have you ever like met this guy? Are you going to go on any dates with him first? And she's like, no, we've just been talking a lot. And like, we, um, I don't know, we're going to try it and, and he's going like, to come out to LA and like hang out with me. She literally committed nine days to spending time with this guy and she was dreading it too. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to hate him. It's going to be horrible. Like, I don't know what to expect, et cetera, et cetera. And then actually I just saw, saw her yesterday with the guy. Um, she like came over to hang out with a little for a little bit. And uh, that night, she changed her Facebook status to in a relationship with this guy that she's dating now. Wow. Oh. So it's it's like she overcommitted to the relationship very, very early. Like, it's almost like going to, like, a dinner on steroids. But it worked out for her in that, favor, in that way. Sometimes I, I feel like when you, even if you're just talking to someone, like, you kind of can tell if you're going to like him or not. Yeah, you totally. Know? So I agree. Sometimes yeah. I like going, my favorite first date is probably a coffee date. I know everybody, like, gives me crap for that. Yeah, but, I don't like that. But <laughs> I like it for the simple fact, well, one, because it is kind of like getting drinks because you can, like, kind of get out of there if you need to if it's not going well because you're right dinner just it's like by the time dinner comes and dessert you're with this person for like an over an hour and if it's not going well it's just a really awful and there's a conversation obligation exactly and it's like an awkward conversation but at least if you're getting drinks you can get out of there in half hour but the reason i like coffee is because if you're able to hold a conversation with somebody without the use of alcohol i think that's a really good first step absolutely but i think the thing that sucks about a coffee date is that it's very it's almost like too formal in the sense where you're going to sit down and be like, hi, this is my name. This is how old I am. This is what I do for work. And it's just very like... Isn't that like a first date in general? Like, yeah, but what, I... What's the difference between getting coffee and getting drinks in drinks? terms of like conversational? Drinks seems like a little more fun and casual. Yeah, more coffee casual. Coffee is more like it's like you're interviewing Yeah, them. exactly. Like you're <laughs> going to go over your resume or something yeah. like that. All right, that. maybe. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Help, I it's suck not at bad, dating. though. <laughs> Look, my first day with my wife was a baseball game. We've talked Ooh, about this really? before. I'm a big fan of sporting events. Tanya and Becca roll their eyes because they do not want to sit for three hours at a sporting event with a guy they don't like. But I love it because if you want to talk, you can talk. If you don't want to talk and watch the game, that's fine too. It's not awkward. There's not like weird conversational pauses. You can watch the game. You can talk. If you want to have a beer, have a beer. It's more relaxed vibe. I like that. Totally. And well, it takes a lot of pressure off. That yeah. was almost 21 years ago. So it went Mark, well we in this it. situation. You're in a very happy okay, relationship. You're the man. You're I'm married. <laughs> you're a great husband. Every um, every episode, Mark just has to just look me dead in the eyes and be like, 21 years. 21 years. Dude. Well, <laughs> I was your age when we years. met. So, you know. That's insane. 27. I was 26 when I met her, yes. So okay. right around there. Well, I guess I'm just out of luck at this no, point. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, shoot, I'm late. <laughs> I, will say, uh, I will say, first date, just don't go to a movie. That's my biggest thing. I agree. Oh, like, that's uh, so bad. It's no. so bad. I don't understand why people, Never. and apparently that still happens. A friend of mine went on a date and they went to go see a movie. What the movie was it? Me. I forget. It was like last year at some point, but like still. What if it was like a, what if it was like a drink thing that turned into, evolved into it also, it, let's go to a movie. No, that's not what happened. Oh, but I'm just saying generally speaking. Oh, like, sure. Of course. If you're like, hey, let's go get drinks first and then go see a movie. Sure. Because you have a conversation, but still like, like it's an awkward position because like you said, what well, the drinks don't go well and you're like. Well, you don't okay, plan now, on it. I'm just saying it's like, hey, we just spent an hour talking to each other. Now let's go sit in a dark room for two hours but and that's not talk the, to each other. That's the awkward thing is that you're sitting next to each other because there's always like, I'm sorry, but if a first date, like it's always that awkward, like your arms are literally like a foot away from each other. So it's like, you know, it's a first date. So obviously I'm not going to hold her hand, but it's almost awkward if I'm not like sitting cl- so close to you in a dark room and not like touching you in any way. I don't know. It's just. It's I think just, that could be very beneficial because then you could see like if this person's a movie whisperer, like is she trying to like crack jokes throughout the movie? That's important. To a lot of people. Are you a movie whisperer? Hell, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I might never go see a movie with Deal breaker. Well, not to, like not if, uh, eh, maybe I am and maybe I'm not. I don't know. Maybe I haven't seen enough I remember movies. one time I went to go see a movie with a girl and she like leaned over and she was like halfway through and she's like, why did he do that? Oh, so that's and not. And I was like, 
I don't know. Let's experience this journey together. <laughs> like I'm seeing it for the first time too. I don't ask questions. I just kind of more like make little tiny statements that add to the experience <laughs> for everyone. I will sometimes even speak louder so the people around me can hear what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it's great. Your jokes are so good. Like you value your own humor so much. You're like, everybody in the theater needs to yeah. hear this. Well, let's turn it over to an expert at this point, shall we? <laughs> yes, please. She is a life coach. She calls herself a possibilitarian. Mm-hmm. She is board certified. We've had her on here before. We've had her on before. She's a life coach. She's Cherie Haley. Cherie, Yay! everyone. Hey. <laughs> Cherie, how are we able to convince you to come back on the podcast? Now, Cherie, you're wonderful. Oh, man. I just love hanging out with you. It's becoming like a thing for me. I know. <laughs> well, we wish you were in studio with us instead of over the phone, but thank you so much for calling in. Awesome. Absolutely. How are you? We're doing well. So you're joined. I'm sure you kind of got the run through, but we have Jared, Mark, uh, Easton, and Amanda Stanton here in studio. Hey, and Cherie. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, yeah, thank you so much for, for again, for calling in um, and through the breakup and all that kind of stuff. It's funny because I feel like so many things have happened since the last time we had a conversation. Yeah, I know. Tell me. Well, <laughs> tell me everything, Dean. Well, tell me everything. I had a girlfriend for four months. Uh, I no longer have that girlfriend. And okay. uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you listened to last week's episode, but um, things have been a bit challenging, I think, for, for kind of everyone involved in the situation. And um, what's funny, actually, is I think last time we spoke, I had mentioned something about going back to therapy or going to therapy and uh, something I started yeah. recently as well. But it's nice to obviously have you in and broadcast your kind of uh, professional opinion to the world because, you know, that's kind of what this whole the whole point of this is. But yeah, um, but yeah. I don't know. What, what would what, you tell me what you're going through now post breakup? Are you trying to figure out why it fell apart? You know, old patterns or what would what do you want to feel as opposed to what you're feeling? I'd love to take you into a better place with it or understanding what happened. Well, it's definitely gotten a lot better. It's, it's not quite as fresh in my mind. I think last time I spoke on it, it was like four. Mo- I'm sorry, four days removed. And now we're what, 11 days later. And I mean, obviously, it, it just gets a, a little bit easier as time goes on. But um, right. it's, it's been, you know, a little bit of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, um, especially kind of like the publicness of it, of the breakup is always challenging. I'm sure Amanda can speak to that. Yeah. Um, right. For sure. That's actually a good point. We should probably talk about that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe in a second. Um, but no, it's, it's, I've been focusing a lot on, um, kind of like coping, I coping, um, activities. So like I've been doing a lot mm-hmm. of meditating, working out, um, trying to like enroll myself in more hobbies. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now. In that okay. sense, if that makes sense. Well, tell me a little bit about the the anxiety and the depression, because I'll I'll give you a little. This is an interesting formula. There's a formula for happiness, and there's a formula for unhappiness. Is it like a multiplication and problem? Can we write it down? Kind of. <laughs> you can write. It's not down nine times three, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's really helpful to know because then it gives you sort of the sense of power that you can you can change these things. You right. know, when okay. you're feeling like that it feelings that you don't want to have. So there's anxiety and depression coming up probably because your blueprint, which is kind of your expectation of your life is not equal to the way your life is. So it's your blueprint needs to equal your life conditions. And the, the formula is like BP equals LC. <laughs> okay. And, and that's like, you know, that if you had this blueprint that you should be in relationship or you should have stayed in relationship with her and you're broken up, that means now you're in the formula for unhappiness because those two don't equal each other anymore. And the way to get back to them equaling and feeling good again 
is to say, oh, update the blueprint. I I shouldn't be with her. It wasn't the right pairing, and so therefore we are apart. And the blueprint now equals again the life conditions. Or you try to update the life conditions and get back together because your blueprint says we should have been together, right? So if you have the right definition of where you should be right now, I should be single. I should still be out there meeting new people. Then then it sort of sets you back up to feel good again. And I I think all of your activities that you're doing sound phenomenal too. Taking care of your body and meditating and all those things actually have you feel really good and strong and healthy. Can I ask you a question? Is it too soon after a breakup to start doing things, like fun things with your friends? Like going to like a music festival or going to basketball games and just like trying to get your mind off things? I think that that would be incredibly healthy. Healthy. I think that... Yeah, you, you, unless, you know, there was some kind of like avoidance of, of what you really needed to feel. I think that there's, there's two things, right? If you have grief or sadness that are coming through because you're not with this person, you need to feel those things. You can't, you know, if you're just trying to distract and avoid, those feelings will fester, right? They'll get toxic within you because they get stuck. And that's what causes us to get sick down the road if we are trying to deny those things. How do you confront those? Like if you if you don't avoid them, what what can you do to confront them? There's a lot of different ways. I think talking about it is really helpful. Being with trusted you know friends and a therapist or somebody that you really feel safe with to talk it through allows those feelings to come through there's um, writing that you can do to allow the feelings to kind of come through on a page. I think movement is really great. Like nothing feels better than like, you know, feeling super angry or, you know, sad on a super fast run, you know, like if you're out there in nature and hiking and letting those feelings come through, it's, it's like seeing yourself as a channel, right. And allowing them to just wash through you. That's super healthy. And you can go to a music festival and, you know, be out there with friends and still feel the feelings, right. you know, like tell them, look, oh my God, this song's totally choking me up. Or I'm, I'm feeling like so grateful that you guys have my back right now because this is all coming up and I'm missing her. Isn't that you why know? everybody goes to Coachella for like emotional <laughs> support? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I think it's so that's the fine line, right? You're not going to deny that they're there and, and pretend that you don't feel bad. You're just being honest about it, but still, feeling alive and doing things that fill you up and make you feel good. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's good advice. That makes me feel better. It's good. tough. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Sherry, even hearing you talk, I, I think it's so difficult just going through a breakup for the simple fact that like, it, when, like nobody knows, like we talked about before, you just do the best you can. Nobody knows when the right time is to move on or like, Oh, should I be doing things with my friends or should I be in my room sulking or should I be, you know, trying to better myself 24 seven because of the things that I've done wrong, or should I constantly be looking for the next person? Like, it's just kind of, you have to just do the best you can and go through gut. And if you're, you know, and that's, I think that's all you can really do. I don't think any, every breakup's the same. I think each one is individual. And I think each one, you have to really kind of listen to your heart and, and, and listen to your gut and, and, uh, do the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a thing that I work with clients on a lot that, um, we could talk about for a really long time. It's called human needs psychology. And, 
This is also a really helpful tool that when you're trying to think about like how to take care of yourself on a day-to-day basis, how to, how to feel good, there are six needs that we all have that if you're really conscious about them, you're aware of them, you can say, oh, like I could go out drinking with my buddies and that would get my needs met at an okay level, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or I could go, you know, take a class or go really talk to somebody and connect deeply or, you know, do something that would help others, right? And all of a sudden, I feel like so much better than I would have just doing that one thing. It met my needs at a much higher level. And in fact, I feel good for days, you know? These human needs all run through them just for the listeners. Yeah, please. And, you know, it's certainly something anybody can email me and I'll send it to you much more information about them. But they're certainty. So we all have a need for safety and love and, and sort of pleasure and comfort, right? Uncertainty. We have a need for variety and excitement. Significance. We need to feel like we matter, like people need us and we mean something to the world. And love and connection which is an obvious one, growth and contribution, right? So if you think like, man, I'm feeling so low, you can think about those six needs and go, what could I do that would meet all of those needs at a really high level? Would, it, would Coachella give me all those things? Was, yeah. And then you know, you've got a winner, right? If it does. No, I agree. Like sometimes I, I you know, obviously I, I, that's the first time I heard the six steps or the six needs that are, are good for you. But I think there are a lot of times where I'm, I'm feeling down about myself and I'll consciously think to myself, what can I do right now that'll make me feel better? And it's, you know, sometimes I'll go uh, work out or I'll go play a sport or I'll just take a walk outside and get a coffee. And all of a sudden just I feel a little bit better from being in the sunshine and taking a, you know, uh, breath of fresh air. Um, because sometimes like, exactly. yeah, I'll just be on the couch and I'll be like scrolling through my phone and I'll just like be feeling down about myself. And I'm like, I need to just do something. Um, and it's, it's amazing how just like a simple walk outside will just kind of bring me back to center, you know? Yeah. Big time. It gives you at least three of those needs. It gives you certainty, uncertainty, and connection to yourself. Probably has you also feel significant because there you are out there taking care of yourself and feeling good in nature and doing mm-hmm. something wise. You know, so four out of the six needs, at least, you're getting. And yeah. that means it's a it's a good thing to do. So I love tools that give you something to hold on to. And I think that's a great way to make decisions. Totally. The significant part is I'll, I'll call I'll, I'll call my mom. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah. Sometimes I'll call my mom too. and like she just understands me better than anybody in this world. And she has just mm. it's not even what she says. It's just how she says it. And immediately if I'm bringing if I'm too down or if I'm too high, like she'll just bring me kind of like right back to center. And I think, uh, you know, I, you know, that's, you know, me calling my mom is, is uh, you know, you, you can find your own way of centering yourself. That's kind of the thing that actually, sure. I had a conversation with someone the other day about that because I don't really have much of a family out in Los Angeles. Like, I don't have someone that I can call and be like, hey, like, this is what's going on. I'm sad. I'm going through this, whatever it is. I have my friends, of course, who want to be helpful, but you can't really, like you said earlier, open up to them as much as you would, maybe would need to. Depending on the friendship, totally. Yeah. So, right. so that's kind of the challenging thing for, for me personally. Um, I am trying to make more of an effort to hang out like with my brother. We're going to Kentucky for a week in May to go rock climbing. That's awesome. Out in the backwoods. And he like has a good relationship with his girlfriend as well. And um, I don't know. I just It's a weird dynamic when you don't necessarily have that immediate family to necessarily lean on. Um, but I do right. have like great friends that are constantly reaching out and like saying like, hey, if you need anything, I'm obviously more than happy to like step in and be that kind of resource for you. But 
Um, it's funny that we all kind of have a different way of going about handling those difficult situations, I suppose. Well, is it, is it fair to say yeah. that women and men both respond to breakups differently? Because it seems like mm-hmm. with guys, they want to get out there and, and live their life and, and maybe get back on the horse, where with women, they tend to be more, uh, they tend to close themselves in a little bit more and shut themselves off from the world. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it'd be tricky to generalize, you know, the whole gender. But I think I think it's true that, you know, we both have feminine and masculine energy, right? So if a woman is sort of going super masculine with her breakup, she's probably just going to, like, zero in on work and stuff to do and try to win in other ways. That's what the masculine would try to do is, like, go feel like you're winning or you're significant at something else to feel good again and the feminine energy in us would probably more likely um try to go for safety right try to cuddle up and like hole up and be safe and go within and probably talk to girlfriends you know yeah maybe there'd be some ice cream involved i always get ice cream i almost got i almost got salt and straw by myself last night because i was like i just want an ice cream cone i'm I'm regretting it right now i didn't but actually i kind of want to hear amanda's perspective on it because amanda you've you know you've had two public breakups from the Mm -hmm. bachelor and you know you i think you come from a different perspective because you are a mom and so it's like for someone like dean and myself like we can have an opportunity to kind of like okay we need to focus on ourselves you know how Mm -hmm. do how do i best handle this breakup for you it's a different scenario and i would imagine a far more difficult one yeah well i was gonna say dean i think you're actually doing a good job i think that i agree i think a lot of times guys when they're going through a breakup just want to like go out or go to coachella and hang out with their friends which is fine and i think it's good too but i don't think you're like running from how you're feeling i think you're handling it really well so you're welcome yeah um but for me yeah it's tough because I think being a single mom I already have so much guilt kind of of like I've talked about it so many times like how I raise my kids and I want to like just like give them stability and like be really happy all the time so when I'm going through something hard it's like hard for me to show my emotions and I feel like I just need to be like super happy for my kids all the time which is like kind of difficult because I feel like I kind of ignore how I'm feeling and then it like hits me later. Mm-hmm. I don't really deal with my emotions. So I think that yeah. comes from, you know, being a mom and having to take care of other people. I don't really allow myself to like be sad. Well, the tricky thing is, yeah, you've got that blueprint equals the life conditions formula that in order to be a good mom, you have to be happy. Yeah, exactly. Which is tricky because you're mm-hmm. a human being. And I think you you obviously have days when you don't feel happy. So what happens there? It's like then your blueprint doesn't match and you're probably feeling worse for it because you're not only sad, you're not supposed to be sad on top of it. Yeah. I've, I've always kind of noticed the two differences between men and women when they break up is the, the guy for the first month after a breakup will be very happy and then afterwards he'll be very sad and the woman for the, after the breakup will be very sad for the first month and then very happy afterwards. Totally. Yeah, There's like a weird, it's, it's like a weird yin-yang in that sense, I feel like. That's yeah, what yeah. Girls tend to, I think we as women get more emotional support after a breakup. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate with you guys? Like it feels like we get, we, we yeah. can open up more easily and ask for support and so we probably heal more quickly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have like all our girlfriends to talk about it with. And it, yeah. I, I mean, you do too, but I feel like girls just talk about it more. I actually, yeah, but it's interesting hearing you say that because like I have a lot of guy friends that I play sports with and hang out with, and it's definitely like quote unquote, like kind of like that bro, go to the sports bar, play pool. But then I have my buddy, um, Chad, who's like the greatest guy ever. And like he's somebody that I 
I, I talk to about relationships and how I'm feeling and he's, you know, he's, he's happily engaged right now. And, uh, it's, mm. it's good to have that person in your life to really just be like, you know, to, to, to talk about how you're truly feeling because you need to get those, um, you know, emotions off your chest. Oh, they'll just weigh you, you down. Got to. Have you guys heard of this show that's, um, online right now called we are man enough? No. Mm-mm. It's a great one to check out. It's, um, Justin Baldoni and some really cool guys sitting around at a table talking about this stuff. Like, why can't we be more open with each other? What's the deal with us being vulnerable? And we need to feel our feelings, too. And I just, I feel like we're on the brink of kind of a men's revolution that I'm very excited about. Men can actually have more connection to their feminine side or to maybe redefining masculinity. I think it's time. I agree. It's 2018. 2018. Here we go. Amen. Sherry, would you have any advice for not only Amanda here, but uh, any of our listeners that might be going through a similar situation where they do have difficulty talking about their emotions, but they also have kids. And so, you know, they're just a very busy human being. And so they don't really have time to, you know, go to a class or, you know, work out on their own. Um, do you have right. any advice for them to like, maybe yeah. this is what you can do with the little time that you might have to really try Absolutely. to help yourself? Yeah, because I'm a single mom, so I I totally relate to you, Amanda, and know what you're going through and how, at times, like, the big emotion that would come up for me was overwhelm of just like, oh, my God, I have to do everything by myself. It's all on me. I'm trying to be this perfect mom and show, like, the smiley face and all. So I'm right there with you. And what I've learned through parenting training and working with clients and just trying it with my own babies is showing them my humanity is a giant gift, like showing them that mama has emotions, because what they'll learn is if I only show them happy, then they're going to grow up down the road feeling like they can only be happy, because they never learned what to do when they weren't by watching me. So when I have feelings come up, I'll I'll speak them, I'll say, I am feeling X, Y, Z, I'm super honest about it, and here's what I need. It's simple. And the kids now know that if they're not getting like their best mom and I'm looking like I'm going off the rails, they'll say, mommy, what do you need? Aww, and it's like that's heaven. That's so sweet. Heaven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you can give them shortcuts that then they feel significance back to the human needs because they know that they can do something to bring out the best in you. They don't just have to like go run and hide. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. That's sweet. That is really sweet. Yeah. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for, for calling back in and taking the time to speak with us. And I know you mentioned earlier that uh, if anyone wanted to, um, you know, kind of expand on any of, these, any of these ideas that you've had, they could email you. Do you mind plugging your email address real quick? Sure. Yeah. It's Cherie at CherieHealy.com and it's spelled C-H-E-R-I-E. Perfect. And then H-E-A-L-E-Y. Perfect. So yeah. for, for any listener out there that has any more questions for Cherie, feel free to shoot her an email. Um, super helpful, I think, for, for pretty much anyone in any situation. So... Um, Shri, thank you again so much for calling back in and, you know, we hope to have you on in a later podcast. We can just kind of keep this, uh, this, I guess, partnership and friendship going. Awesome. I would love it. You guys are the greatest. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Shri. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. I have some emails we should get to before we wrap up today because it's good to get everybody's perspective on these. A lot of people have some issues. Mm -hmm. They'd like some, uh, some advice. We all got issues. (laughs) Don't we ever. That we do. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this woman's name. M-A-R-A-M. Maram? Um, let's go with that. Maram. Hmm. Well, Maram says... Looking through the notes. Hey, here we go. Maram. I'm 19 and perpetually single. I went on a trip with a ton of students from my university to a competition where I met this guy from a different school. 
He was sweet and funny and totally cool. I don't know what the competition was, but uh, she elaborates that he ended up doing a performance for one of the competitions and was amazing. After everyone performed, I ran into him and told him how well he did. I ended up getting his handles for Twitter and Instagram, so I slid into the DMs. We got to talking for a few days, and we've been talking for over a week every single day. I kind of want to tell him that I've had a crush on him for a while, but I think that would be stupid since we've only been talking for less than two weeks. Should I wait until the one month mark to tell him? Should I not tell him at all? We live about four hours away, but we're always in each other's cities for events. I just want to know if I should tell him or not, and I want to know if he likes me, because if he doesn't, I'd rather just stop talking than get invested and get my heart broken. Any advice would be helpful. Yeah, Maram, you just answered the question Absolutely. for yourself. I was about right to say, that email, you just answered your own question. You just said, I, don't, I, want to know if you, I want to know if he likes me or not, then you have to tell him that you like him and see what he responds with that. You have nothing to lose. Seriously, nothing to lose at all. But that's, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're your own... Uh, I can't even say. I can't even talk right now. But that happens so often with these emails. They yeah. answer it. They're in. Yeah, they know what the answer is. Exactly. You're so wise. You're wise beyond your, your own years. You know the answer. Yeah. I think you're just scared to tell him how you feel, it's which scary. is understandable. But I think you should just be honest with how you're feeling. And if he's not feeling the same way, then you can move on. So and what does she do? Does she say, I'm really, I'm into you? Or does she ask him out? I would say if, if they're always in the same city for an event, just ask him to hang out one-on-one, -on -one, I guess, in the next time yeah, that they're in the like, same city exactly. as each other. Yeah. Let's get together. Easy She's one. 19, so don't get a drink. Maybe yeah, use Jared's I, method and get a coffee. I think coffee, coffee is perfect for this. <laughs> just don't um, see a movie. Yeah, I think that you definitely answered your own question there. It's pretty pretty cut and dry with that one. Just go ahead and, and make a move and you know, don't wait for him to make it. I, I understand that sometimes girls do like the, having the guy reach out first and kind of have that set up. But if you like him and you want to know if he likes you back, you need to just go out there. And, and it's definitely it. scary and intimidating in the moment, but you're going to feel so much better after you get a response one way or the other. It's going to be like a weight off your shoulders. Absolutely right. Sean is the next one and that's a guy by the way we got an email from a guy yeah, that is not yeah. yeah. the yes. third the third email in 27 episodes 27 <laughs> divided by three equals nine there it is let's go bada bing bada boom <laughs> i have a new next door neighbor that i met while walking my dog a few weeks back my dog seemed to like her but we didn't talk long just introduced each other and i told her about the puppies my dog had just had we arranged a time for me to bring the puppies over to show her and then i asked her to dinner she said she wasn't free that day and asked her to message me later that weekend so Easter Sunday came and I messaged her, happy Easter, and she responded. Later the same day, I messaged her again saying, let's order some food and have a movie night in. I have not heard back from her. Where did I go wrong? Here's, and there's a key no. PS here. I'm 39, about to be 40. She's maybe 25 to 27. Hmm. Hmm. I think I know. Okay. I, oh. This yeah. is good. Female perspective on Love this it. one. If a guy, sorry, so you, 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 like, so if you haven't gone on a date with her yet, I think it's a little weird to have a movie night in. Mm -hmm. If a guy asked me that, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think agree. you probably I just wanted to hook one. up. I think you got to take her to dinner. Yeah, you definitely go out to a public place first because yeah. I feel like as a girl, yeah, if a guy's just coming over or if he invites you over to his place, immediately she's just going to think you want to hook up with her. Yeah, that's like Netflix and chill basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> People still I mean, say movie, that? Movie night in, Netflix and chill. That's what sure. it, right? I think it really it depends on the situation, but yeah, I think Amanda is absolutely right. Maybe you just yeah. ask her to go to dinner. I also think the age difference is a flag for her, probably at 25, 26, and you're almost 40. If mm -hmm. she knows that, I don't know if she does or not, but I think that's a flag for her. Or maybe she really just wanted to see the puppies. See the puppies. <laughs> of course, yeah. who's going to pass up yeah. puppies? But also, if you live right next to each other, it's going to be really awkward if you go out oh. and it doesn't work out so yeah. well, and it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's just going to be weird. 
every you don't time want to you bait like, your take next out the garbage. Neighbor. You have to just like peek out the window to make sure she's not on the front yard and you run out. It's just it's a, a lot of yeah. a lot of moving parts to that one. Maybe try again and just ask her to dinner or coffee or something. Here's what you do, Sean. Move to a different apartment. <laughs> yes. Change your entire life for this one potential date you have might a be able second to go litter on. of puppies. Bring them to her at a <laughs> at a mutually agreed upon uh, location, location in yep, public. Yep. And then there, yeah, see where it goes. I, I think the no response to your text is all you need to know. I, I Maybe move on. Yeah, I think so too. And especially since she she wasn't free that day, and yeah, I, just and a, asked her to message me later that weekend. So I don't know. Just I don't be know. a good neighbor. Yeah, just yeah. focus on being that's, a good neighbor. Yeah. I think that's the best course. <laughs> Denny has a question. My boyfriend and I have been dating for over a year now. Things are great. He's a great boyfriend. He's there when I need him. We connect well. We've had conversations about getting married and having kids, and he says he wants that and he can't wait. The problem is we can't seem to move forward in our relationship. He's 30, I'm 27, and we both still live at home. Hmm. The conversation has been brought up a lot between us about moving in together and taking the next step. He says he's down and wants to, but I can tell it gives him anxiety. He hasn't made any effort into looking at places, but keeps promising he will. I feel like I'm dating Peter Pan, who doesn't want to grow up and have responsibilities. Am I selling myself short? Help, I suck at dating Denny. I don't think you're selling yourself short. I think you definitely need to test living together before you can continue to have conversations getting married and have kids, though. And the thing is, he is answering all the questions correctly. He is saying, I do want this, I do want that. So I don't think it would be the worst thing, Denny, if you looked at places as well and was like, let's go look at this apartment at this day together to see if this is what we want. Because, like, he is saying yes to it. Now, granted, you know, he's 30 or 27. We both live at home. So that's obviously maybe, weird. I don't know, maybe, I don't Unusual. know how weird. But, Unusual. yeah, certainly, like, you definitely, of course, take the next step. You guys have been dating for a year. But I think, I think of, yes, if it's giving him anxiety, but it would give anybody anxiety. It would certainly give me anxiety if I was dating someone for a year and they were like, let's move in together. I'd be like, sure, of course. But I, I think, of course, I'd have a little anxiety about it because, you know, living together is a big statement in the relationship. That's kind of like a, a line right there to be like, okay, now we're going to move in together and we're going to see each other all the time. And this is going to be a very big moment in our relationship. So I don't think the anxiety part you should be that concerned about. I think more so, um, I don't think it would be the worst thing if you kind of took initiative and in looking at places and being like, hey, there's a, you know an open house on Saturday. You want to go to it? And then if he keeps pushing that off, that would be a red flag for me. But as of right now, he is saying, yeah, I want this. I want that. He's not putting as much effort as you maybe you'd like. But if you put maybe a little bit more effort, he might catch up. So Guys need I don't a push know. sometimes. Sometimes. Amanda? Yeah, no, I agree with what Jared said. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Guys grow up kicking and screaming in a oh, lot that's... of cases. They really don't want to get responsibilities. And I think he's also looking at this is. If we move in together, we're going to get married or it's going to be very, very ugly. And both of those can be very equally scary outcomes for a young single man. Absolutely. So he just needs a little bit of a push. I think this is going to be okay, though. Moving, I think it's going to be okay as well. Moving Sorry. in together is challenging, too. I have friends. Uh, one of my best friends actually lived with his girlfriend for about two or three years. They had been dating for probably two years before moving in together. Um, and then they broke up and moved into separate apartments. And then after they moved out from each other, they realized that they wanted to be back together, wow. but just living to living together put a strain on their relationship. So it's just something to be... I Are guess, they dating now? They're dating now. And he's still, he spends five nights a week at her apartment. But there's just something to be said about having your own space that you could always retreat back to if you need it. Absolutely, because the problem is with living with each other, you have no personal space. Right. Like unless you go to the bathroom for like mm -hmm. a half hour and just like scroll through your phone to be like, <laughs> I need like a half hour of silence by myself. And so, but that is, it's a big thing because like even if you spend five nights at somebody else's apartment, you do have those two nights where you can just kind of like decompress and be in your own bed and be in your own space and you're fine, right? But when you live with somebody, you don't have that. So, um, 
yeah, I can totally see living together as a really big testament on whether this relationship is going to work or not. I wonder when I'm going to live with my girlfriend. Well, you don't have one yet. <laughs> well, but <laughs> one yeah. thing at a time. Yeah, yeah. I've just always been curious about that. I'm always like, well, am I ever going to live with a girlfriend? Well, what do you I, think is a good amount of time to be together before you move in? A year. Is a perfect. year. Yeah. I'd one year. Yeah. Maybe even less. I did. So I did live with. <laughs> maybe three days. Maybe Who the hell knows? Hey. <laughs> Two and a half months. I don't know. How long does a bachelor last? Um, <laughs> I think I told this story before. When uh, when we were moving from my apartment, two apartments ago, to the house that we lived in before the one I'm currently at, there was like a three-week period where we didn't have anywhere to live, and I was still dating my uh, former girlfriend at the time, and I like, basically moved in with her for those three weeks, and they were, they were perfectly fine. I, obviously, it was because you know in three weeks you're going to be moving into your own place, but... Um, that's like the one small taste of living with a significant other that I've had in my life. And you enjoyed it? I definitely didn't hate it. I mean, again, we both had our full-time jobs. We were, you know, living our lives independently of each other, which I think is important as well. But It is, but when you're a 20-year-old guy, 20-something guy, a lot of times your priorities are hanging out with the guys, getting horrible food, and playing video games. And a lot of that is goodbye when you move in with her. But there are so many benefits that he may not be seeing. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so much nicer. It's going to smell better. It's going to be cleaner. There's going to be better food for you. It's really a better thing. True. Oh, man. I remember when I was dating my ex-girlfriend when I was in my early 20s, and every time I'd be playing video games and she'd call, I would pick up the phone. She'd be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, just, you know, I was reading a little bit and watching TV (laughs) as I'm like playing Madden. And I don't play a lot of video games, but I remember I felt so insecure about telling her to be like, I'm playing a video game. I'm that guy. I don't know why. Red flag video games, Amanda? Uh, I've actually never dated a guy that like was into video games. Really? Mm-mm. What if he plays point. like, I don't know, say on average, like two hours a week? Not a oh, that wouldn't all. bother me. Oh, okay, well, video games, that's fine. I mean, I think I'd be fine with it. Okay. I like yeah. sometimes when I travel, I have like a portable little Nintendo that I take with me. Yeah. And like I'll bust it out kind of just like you know, unforgivingly. And, you know, I mean, I've I've had both mixed responses. Sometimes if I'm on an airplane, they have the TV and obviously there's movies, television, and then they'll have games. Yeah. And I'm like so ashamed sometimes to play the games. But I, oh. I know, but it's so much fun. It's just very oh, interactive. Just killing time in a plane. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, Erica, we need you for this one. This is from Lindsay. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I find the content very relatable and helpful. Dean, I appreciate your openness on the podcast. It's been great getting to know you a little bit more. And I think we all, I think all we can do as human beings is learn from our experiences, both good and bad, and use them to grow. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that's great. It's great. Your willingness to share yourself with your listeners in any capacity is inspiring. So thank you, Dean. I'm writing to follow up on Erica's crush on her oral surgeon. Oh, Yeah. Two episodes ago, she friend requested him during the podcast. Way to go, girl. And I'm curious to know what happened. What happened, Erica? Well, he accepted my friend request. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's, that I mean, is that's great. Round of applause. Fine, but nothing has happened since. But so that's fault okay. Is that? I oh. think that's fine. Dean. I'm just saying, whose fault is that, Erica? It's equally his fault and my fault. I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're the one talking about it on a podcast right now. So I think <laughs> you're kind of the one that's responsible for making the so move. So what is Erica's next move? Uh, I think DM. Yeah. Message? Yeah, Dean? That's what's what your I thoughts? say. Message. But what is it? Is it a joke? Is it a sub seal? 100% it a, a joke. But Erica <laughs> texted me. Joke. A, what did you text me the other day that was actually really, really good? No, I read that back to Mark and it was literally the worst idea. Do you remember idea what she said? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I don't remember what it was. Are you looking it up? I'm There's gonna look some it up, yeah. Also, I feel like Amanda be. will be with me on this. That like messaging him is a horrible idea. Okay, Amanda. So, uh, <laughs> and, and anyone else know. who didn't hear this, so she went to an oral surgeon who is okay. uh, 30 and she's 25. 32. He's 32. I'm Not bad. Okay. Uh, super handsome. Really liked him, and they had a real connection. Like they were joking with each other, and every time she was there, it was great. Her oral surgery process is over now. <laughs> she's moved on. She's not going back there in any professional capacity. Yeah. She wants 
to make a move a little bit here. So she thought a very subtle move. I think it was my idea. Actually. Yes. So she couldn't find him on any social media except Facebook. Okay. So she friended him on Facebook, just yes. kind of throwing it out there. He accepted, which I think is a great sign. Mm -hmm. Neither one of them has made any kind of an initiation of a message. We're in like a standoff. <laughs> but it's not an active standoff. Uh, the no. old Facebook standoff. All I'm saying is like my birthday passed in the time and he could have wished me a happy birthday and he didn't. He's probably not on there very often, I, I, but yeah. that would have been nice. It did take him almost, it took him like multiple days to respond. So the, I don't think he's on there. The much. message that uh, Erica texted me that jokingly, which oh, I God. think she should send, is because he's a, the oral surgeon, she should just say, New teeth, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> because it's funny. It's, it's so bad. good. It's short. It's funny. He's, yeah. It's going to get a rise out of him. I guarantee he got a response. And all you need is the response. And then boom, flow and conversation. And then all of a sudden, it's coffee or drinks the it's next such week. A, <laughs> it's such a no brainer to me. That's why I can't understand why you won't just message it to him. You literally have nothing to lose at all in the entire world. <laughs> You don't even have you don't even gonna use him anymore as an oral surgeon. Amanda, right. Amanda, what's your thought about that? New teeth. Who it's is? so stupid. Okay, I think it's really funny. I but think it's great. I I think if I were in your situation, I'd probably be asking for advice too because I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's so tough. What's your advice, Amanda, as a girl? I don't know. I mean, I want to say message him, but like, if you if you like. He added you as a friend, and he's seen you. He has the opportunity to message you too. Exactly. So, and Erica would like I to be know. pursued. Yeah. What was that listener yeah. email that we talked about earlier today when she said something along the lines of, "I like him. I just want to know if he likes me too." And was, we all, in unison, gasped and said, "Of course! What you have to do is tell him you like him because exactly. you won't know if he likes you unless you tell him first. And we're using that same mindset logic. and logic on this. So kind of true. Erica. I think the uh. consensus is new teeth. Who it is? No. It's really funny. I can't say that, you guys. Also, I don't have new teeth. They're all my teeth. It's but that's not, the, not joke. the point. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lindsay has a crush on her okay. chiropractor. That's why she's asking. For the past three years, she's had a huge crush on him. He was single, then he had a girlfriend, but she thinks he's single now, and she's not sure. Anyway, is it too late? Because it's been years. How much time has passed? And how would I go about it? I'm 29. She's he's 30. So that's that's okay. That's a good. It's easy. Uh, find him on Facebook. Say new spine. Who this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let me say this: It is never too late. Don't ever think that. I've had a mindset like I've been very bad in that mindset as well and it is not too late because if you think it's too late you are going to always regret it could be like three four years later rekindle an old romance exactly so just go for it it's sure worth because a you shot. it is worth a shot because don't be scared sometimes I suffer from the same thing where I, sometimes like I overthink things and it's like is it too late should I even do something am I a jerk right now and like I kind of like just conform and like shell up to a certain extent and just like live in this little comfort bubble and it wasn't until like I, I think you're gonna feel so much more empowered and, and 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 better about yourself if you're just like screw it I'm going for it and whatever happens happens she says she's more confident in who she is than she was three years ago so should, use it it is not too late go for it what a great story for your kids one day exactly, you know I mean, right? well here's my old Earl surgeon and I had a crush on him um, so I added him and then I and said you teeth yes yeah. and then the next thing you know we've been married forever and what's the worst that can happen if he says oh I'm in a relationship I'm sorry oh well that's nice and then then you, you know, block him and never talk to him again there exactly. you go no problem <laughs> All right, one more from Anonymous. I'll get right to it, she says. My boyfriend is not good with being affectionate or talking about his feelings. It's not that he won't hold my hand in public. It's more like when it's just us, I never get anything from him, whether it's a compliment or a, wow, I'm so lucky to have you, or you're amazing. I'm a person who tells you how I feel when I feel it. 
I have esteem issues already, along with everyone else in the world, but I always thought my forever person would change or adjust knowing I need a certain something from him. This is getting back to deal breakers. He also gets really quiet when I start talking about my feelings. I feel like a lot of the time I speak from an emotional standpoint while he's still in that logical state. He doesn't try to get in my shoes to view the situation through my eyes. Are these things I just have to get used to and adjust myself? I love him so much. Honestly, I can't picture my life without him. But some things I need so much, he lacks. I'm 22, he's 28. It'll be two years together in May, and we live together and spend a lot of time together. Should we maybe hang out with friends over the weekends? Do I need him to miss me or think about me to change something? Any advice, please share. I love you guys. Amazing podcast every week. I think two, one, two years into a relationship is a lot. I guess mm-hmm. you, you can kind of expect the flame to kind of get smaller throughout that yeah. amount of time. Yeah. I've never been in a two-year relationship, so I can't speak from experience. But we've, we've talked about it. love changes over time. It doesn't make it worse or better. It just, you know, it does change. Like, it's not as lustful as it once was. It's not as affectionate. It does But change. it sounds like he never has been terribly affectionate. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and two years, you know who he is. Coming from someone who struggles in the same way that sounds like her boyfriend does mm. in showing the affection and all that kind of stuff, I can say that... It doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't love you or like you or anything yeah. like that. It just is something that maybe you need to be more vocal about that but, he needs to change and do better with. But I will say, like, for me personally, I am kind of like a very uh, affectionate is very big for me as well because I'm a very affectionate person. And so I think if I wasn't receiving it, I would feel the same way you're feeling right now. And so you have to just kind of like keep talking to him about it because it's going to be a, a very big point in your relationship and it's obviously something that's bothering you very much and moving forward it's going to continue bothering you unless you guys talk about it more and that's what relationships are it's compromise it's sacrifice and so if this guy loves you as much as you might think he does then hopefully all he has to do i feel like for you is to say i'll work on it i will try to get better at it i like this question you asked at the end where you said do i need him to miss me or think about me to change something Mm -hmm. i think that she should make him miss her Really? I think that would be really... Uh, Isn't you playing games two years yeah. in a relationship? Yeah. Not even games, but just like maybe make yourself... I, obviously, you live with him and you've dated him for two years. And you're not going to play games with your boyfriend in two years, but just like make him... Um, how do you do that without like... Make yourself less available in those ways and then he'll realize how much he misses your affection and your communicative style on a daily basis, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that, but I think there's like a way to do it rather than like playing games and just kind of doing it, making him miss you. Like I wasn't saying play games, Amanda. Well, it that kind of sounds like that, right? If you're like going to make him miss you. Like but how do you totally. do that? So this is my thing with it. I think that maybe he's gotten so used to her style of communication where he he's, thinks he's communicating to her through the way that she commu- over communicates to him. And so when she scales that back a little bit, then he'll realize that there's a piece of their relationship that's missing because he she's not being as vocal as she normally is, which means that he would hopefully up his communication well you yeah. would you would hope that right if if something was lacking that he would step up to the plate and like well, that's what i'm saying just try it. i mean you don't need to it's a matter of, of being busy it's a matter of being busy in terms of your life socially maybe professionally and so you're not as available to him i think that's what you're saying yeah. amanda can you put yourself in her shoes yeah so i, I mean i feel like i've been in a situation mm-hmm. like that before so i can relate but i think what i would do is probably like communicate with him how you're feeling and say like you know i feel like you don't show me enough affection and I need more of that from you, so I'm going to give you a little bit more space. And I also think, to bounce off that point, of course, that like there is something to be said about the sandwich effect. Like, Start off with something positive. Be like, I love you. I cannot picture my life without you. I want this to work more than anything. But Don't say but. No, of course. Don't say but. but It's the most destructive word in any relationship. Never say but. (laughs) Well, then segue any way you want to. What I'm saying is, however. Leading the next sentence without the word but. But I feel like it's far better to start off with something positive and to make them know that you want this to work and you want them and they're the only person you want. But of course, there's things that I know. I get it. Sure. I'll work on it. (laughs) 
but for right now, <laughs> but um, can we get like a like a buzzer in here? And every time we say yeah, the word, yes, butt? we have a buzzer. As a matter of fact, it's um, right here. However, uh, you know, there's just things that you know I need in a relationship as well. And one of these things is just more function, and like hopefully, as a as a partner, as somebody, as a very loving, hopefully committed relationship, that he will say. Yeah, let's let's work on this. Like I'm not good at it and I will do my best and I can't promise that like overnight I'm going to become this most affectionate and wonderful boyfriend that you're imagining, but it's something that I will work at. Thank you. Right in the middle of my monologue, <laughs> <said> but <laughs> we're gonna that's gonna be a common thing. I'm gonna maybe get like a blowhorn or something. Every time we're going through advice and we say the word but, we need to ring it at each Every other. Every time I hear a blowhorn, all I can think about is Jersey Shore, the grenade whistle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um so, so what's our advice? Yeah, what's it's, the advice? It's, it's I guess I, be honest with him. I, Amanda had great advice because it was the same advice that I gave. Just but put actually telling Wait, him. Wait a minute. What? Like, yeah, don't just on. give him space without telling him. Tell him like, hey, uh, this is how I feel. So I'm going to give you a little bit of space. Yes. That, that, I think that could scare him. Yeah. In a good way. I think in a good way. Make him realize what he has in you. So this yeah. is the point. Maybe if we put it into numbers. So if she's 80% communication, he's 20%. She scales it back to 60. Then there's going to be a 20% void that needs to be filled. And love he math. will be forced to come to that extra 20% being well, 60 what if he? Well, here's math. the issue. What if he doesn't? Well, he will. There's not even a question of what if. He's going to. I mean, I like your optimism. And if he doesn't, then just continue to be the 80-20 that you are and communicate how much you, what you need from him. But it's this just, is a guy thing. Think how many husbands and dads don't talk about feelings. They're non-communicative. They just want to sit on the couch and watch TV or mm-hmm. whatever they do. You know, This is very common among guys to not express their feelings. Absolutely. And yeah. I think part of that, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but I think part of that just comes from maybe one side. It's, it's just one person is doing more than the other. And because of that, they think they can skate along without having to do as much as that other person. You know? Of course. And I also think uh, guys become very defensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so like it's all about your approach, where if you go to this guy and you're like, you don't do this, you don't do that, and then he might become defensive and be like, well, you don't do this for me and you don't do that. But I also think guys want to be providers. And so I think if you approach him and say, this is what I need because I want you, but I need more of this from you, then I think he might be more willing to do it because it's providing a service to you. And I think a lot of guys want to be that man who's like, I am, I'm your provider. I'm here for you rather than, you know, you approaching him being like, you don't do this or you don't do that. Instead of approaching him saying, you don't do this, approach him saying, this is what I need. Question for Amanda. Would you be okay with um, dating someone or being with someone that is more interested in being like a stay at home father than someone that's, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it'd bother me someone that want to be a stay at home dad. I think it's kind of cute, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. Was curious. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that'll do it for. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I found that so funny. That'll okay. do it for episode twenty-seven of Help I Suck at Dating Happy on my twenty-seventh birthday. Happy birthday, Dean! Happy birthday! Thank you so much for spending my birthday with me. This was great. I know we're all kind of obligated to be here. <laughs> no. I'm not obligated well. to be here. I chose this. Okay. <laughs> Um, big thank you to Sherry Healy and she left her email. What was it? Sherry, Sherry at Healy.com. No, Sherry at Sherry Healy.com. Sherry at Sherry Healy.com. Like we said, if you have any questions for her, please feel free to reach out. She's incredible. Um, big thank you to Jared. Uh, of course, Amanda for being here as well. Thank Always you, nice Jared. to Thanks have a, a lovely female's perspective. I hope that we can make this more of a common occurrence. Um, Mark Easton hasn't been chiming in quite as much lately, but we do appreciate you being here regardless. 
Thank you, Dean. I appreciate that. And Erica for using your teeth yes. to tell us about the stories of your oral surgeon. I fully expect that message uh, to be sent by, uh, what's today, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, but most importantly, thank you to the listeners. Thank you all for spending my 27th birthday with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. And be sure to tune in next week for Help I Suck at Dating because apparently maybe we all might just be a little bit better people. Yay. Follow Help <laughs> I Suck at Dating with Dean Unglert on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 